Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you for the next hour as we'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Lots to dive into. Plenty of action from this weekend. And we have a big UFC card coming up next week. Deontay Wilder's fighting next week. So a lot of recap and a lot of previewing to get to. I want to start off with Anthony Joshua, his performance yesterday. As he got himself a win, he uh, beat Carlos Dacom. In a late replacement fight, that was uh, he was he was <laughs> he was uh, he was supposed to take on Pulev, who got injured. So they had uh, they had to come on standby, and you know I don't think it was the I don't think it's any it's going to be the most memorable performance of Anthony Joshua's career. You know he is he's kind of the golden boy right now of the heavyweight division. I don't think anybody can look at Anthony Joshua and think he's doing anything wrong. I mean he's selling out sixty thousand seat stadiums in in Britain. Um, the guy's got one of those prototypical heavyweight bodies people have been looking for for a long time. He's got a thrilling win that he just had over Vladimir Klitschko. So he he's pretty Teflon right now. But yeah, the fight yes the the, the fight yesterday against Decom, uh, he looked good. He looked good, but he he also looked he was he was I think flustered by Decom's size and stature. I mean Decom being about six foot six one seemed bothered by the trajectory and 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 landing that that left hook landed at will but he didn't you know Takam wasn't sitting still the one but but you know it was a dominant performance he ended up cutting up both of Takam's eyes it got stopped in the 10th round but i don't think Takam really was um i don't i don't think he was in a dangerous spot in the 10th round I, the only problem i had with that fight was the finish, the ref stopped it. It was at a very odd time. It almost felt very parachute esque, like the like the ref was told, "Hey, if it gets to this certain point, and then danger happens, pull it out onto Com. Don't have him. Uh, don't have him continue." And I thought it was a little disappointing because I thought there was there was a couple things that were swinging in that fight. It got super dangerous. I would say four rounds in. And Anthony Joshua was putting it on Takam. Takam really wasn't in the fight. He didn't seem like he could put any offense. But this was an interesting thing, and they kept bringing this up during the broadcast about Anthony Joshua's size. You know, he was 254 pounds weighing it, which is just, it's absolutely massive for a heavyweight. He's got a lot of muscle that he carries around. And this was a question in the last fight against Vladimir Klitschko about his cardio, about him him petering out after especially after he got the knockout uh, or the knockdown of Vladimir Klitschko in the fifth round that he, he seemed to have a huge adrenaline dump and it took him a while to get back into that fight 
And I don't want to say that Anthony Joshua was fatigued because he was certainly measured. He he didn't overexert himself very much, didn't really have to. But the output did decline with what he was putting on to come. And for a guy who, you know, Tom was landing some good stuff on Anthony Joshua, but clearly was in a position where I don't think he could have put Anthony Joshua in any real danger. I was surprised by how low Anthony Joshua was, was in his output to not put him out there in a more convincing fashion. Now, some of this you can credit to cause to come for his heart, his will, his toughness, because he was taking some absolute bombs. But he had both eyes cut up. You know, the rest were having to start uh, checking him probably around the seventh round. And and the guy was just pawing at his eyes the entire time, was getting that thick blood into his eyes, very hard to see. And I don't know. I, I, it got to a point for me where I thought Carlos Takam had proven himself game enough where I thought he deserved the opportunity to go the distance. And I'm not normally that guy, like, where I want to see, like, if, if a fight's over, it's over. I get it. Um, but it didn't feel to me like the fight had gotten to a ridiculous point. You know, a lot of the times when those fights should be stopped in the 10th round, you know, part of you could be on the side of, you know what, he's not going to win he, unless he comes up with some massive knockout out of, out of you know, the stratosphere. What's the point of him continuing? But... It says something to Carlos Takam to have on his resume. Hey, he went the distance with the recognized heavyweight champion of the world. And the fact that it felt like the referee, I don't want to say bailed Anthony Joshua out because he was winning, but ended things prematurely without really being the conclusion it deserved. I think Carlos Takam deserved to have the opportunity to try and finish that fight. And there, I thought that there were much more questionable parts of that fight where you could have said, all right, you know what, we've seen enough. But you had already determined to that point he's game enough to go. He's able to, to weather these cuts. And I think at that point, if you're going to, if you're gonna, if you're going to let those things go, I don't understand why you're coming in and protecting him at this certain point. And I I, I kind of felt I felt bad for Carlos to come because I know that would have meant a lot to him to go the distance with Anthony Joshua, the hottest name in boxing right now. If he was able to go, um, who knows what that would have done for his career. Even if even if he doesn't beat him, the fact that he stood toe to toe with the guy who's looking at who's looked upon as the baddest man on the planet right now, that says something. And it felt to me because, it, you know, Anthony Joshua was even talking about a late 10 to 12 round prediction of a stoppage. It kind of felt to me like, all right, this this referee was told 10th round, any signs of danger, that's 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 the magic zone. Let's let's just stop this thing. Like that fight had no shot of going the distance short of Takam came into that fight last night and he was absolutely putting it on Anthony Joshua. But if it went the way, like it felt like the commission or the promoter told that referee, if it looks a certain way, like we think it's going to look, stop it at this point. This is the X spot. And I felt that Takam was good enough and proved himself enough that he deserved to go past whatever arbitrary point they drew in the line for him. And I don't know, that that to me was a, was a bit disappointing. But overall... Anthony Joshua, 
He TCB'd. He took care of that business. He went in there. He was a replacement opponent. Uh, you know, 10 days notice that he had to take on this challenge. He is still fighting another man who was training for him while he was training for another guy, uh, a guy who moved a lot, was very awkward, uh, very small compared to him. So that's not an easy task for Anthony Joshua. I don't want to take credit away from him. I, it was just one of the things I, I found myself almost having the Rocky feeling in this fight. Like I was, I, you found yourself. I'm a, I love Anthony Joshua. He's, he's been great for the sport, but I, you know, you can't help but kind of fall for the guy who is the super underdog in that moment. Fighting does a weird thing to you in that way. So, um, Anthony Joshua, great performance by him as far as getting the win, maintains undefeated record, uh, continues to stop everybody that he's gone in there with. Now the big question is, when's he fighting Deontay Wilder? That's the question everybody wants to know. Uh, uh, Sky Sports didn't shy away from that yesterday. I don't know if people are going to love the answer that he put forth. You know, he did say, quote, it has to happen. But he did put a lot of caveats of, hey, I worked hard for these belts. I'm not going to let um I'm not going to let certain mandatories dictate when or when I get them taken away from me or not. And this is an interesting thing amongst fighters of what does the belt really mean? Uh, for Anthony Joshua, does he need those belts to be recognized as the heavyweight champion of the world? Um those belts are an interesting thing. They're 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 commissions put together. There's fees their own rankings. Um, there's a lot of politics. There's a lot of money involved with them. But I think if we're going to look at this from a standpoint of boxing fans, they know. They don't need those belts to decide who really is the champion of the world. For a lot of times, they're great for fighters who are actually maybe on the on the cusp of getting into that picture. You know, you want to talk about the guys who maybe have other pieces of the heavyweight championship for a guy like Deontay Wilder. It's probably important for Deontay Wilder to have that piece of the WBC crown just because it's a well-recognized commission. He otherwise really, I don't, I don't know if he would have had, I don't know if he does get a, a, a stake in this Anthony Joshua claim, but he does have that piece. So it is important. Let's, let's get in there. Let's unify the belts. But the idea that Anthony Joshua has just got to go in there because he's got to fight whoever the WBO or the WBA or the IBF tells him he has to fight. For right now, those commissions, in my mind, with these belts, they're lucky to have him wearing those belts and bringing credibility to those belts. So from my standpoint, he should go fight Anthony Joshua whenever the hell he damn well pleases, and those commissions should be happy that somebody of the ilk of Deontay Wilder would be winning those belts whenever. Now, Deontay Wilder's going to fight next week. He's going to take on Bermain Stavern. Uh, it's a fight he should win. He's already won it. He's come out and he said that he will retire. He will leave the sport. It's loser leave, leaves home match going down next week in Brooklyn. No, he will, uh, he will leave the sport if he loses to Stavern. Um, Stavern went the distance with him. That's where Deontay Wilder won his WBC belt. It's a late mat, uh, late replacement. He was supposed to take on Luis Ortiz. It's a bummer for Deontay Wilder that the Luis Ortiz fight didn't come through because Luis Ortiz was recognized as a guy a lot of people didn't want to take on, a high-risk opponent, older, awkward, little bit of mystery to him. 
And the fact that he popped for PEDs is a bummer for Deontay because I think that would have given Deontay a lot of the credibility he's been looking for. And his credibility has been chipped away. One, he had that injury layoff while Anthony Joshua was skyrocketing to the top. So that sucks for Deontay Wilder. And also, it's been tough for him. One, it's been tough for him selling-wise. You know, a lot of his career he's had to be in his home state of Alabama, which is cool. He's a hero there, but it's not exactly looked upon as one of these fertile breeding grounds of boxing. You know, you compare Anthony Joshua's at the university, uh, he's at UAB, and filling up their basketball arena and compare that to what Anthony Joshua is doing in London where it's 67,000 people and and 90,000 people in stadiums coming to see him. It's just a different star level power. He also has the disadvantage of being American. And it just is what it is with that stuff. In this country, we don't support our fighters like we probably should. You know, Deontay Wilder and... Anthony Joshua, there's a lot of American fans who support Anthony Joshua more than they will Deontay Wilder. And that is what it is. A lot of the times with America, we have done this thing where we are just going to like the best no matter what. There's a lot of Americans who are going to support Conor McGregor. There's a lot of Americans that are going to support Manny Pacquiao. um, And they're not necessarily going to support their fighter. And so... The hope is, hey, can they get these two into a ring in America, in Vegas, old school, uh, heavyweight matchup, on pay-per-view, could it do big business? And this fight coming up next week for Deontay Wilder, he's got to put on a big show against Bermain Stavern. He's got to beat him worse than he did before to get people really buzzing about him, to get people really caring. If he goes out there and he goes the distance with Stavern, maybe it's an all-time classic. Maybe people uh, will be will be talking about but. I think he's got to go out there and make a statement. No, there's not going to be any twiddling our thumbs here and going going after mandatories. No, 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 no. We need to make the fight with Anthony Joshua happen next, whether it's in April, May, June. The next time those two step into the squared circle, it needs to be against each other. And that's a tough ask for Deontay Wilder because he is clearly B-side here. He doesn't have the fan base. He doesn't have the the signature win. He's older, so time's not on his side. It's a it's a lot. It's a big ask for Deontay Wilder, and, and it's tough for him to be patient in all this. But I hope that both sides don't overthink this, and I hope Al Heyman's side doesn't overthink it for Deontay. I hope Eddie Hearn's side doesn't overthink it because you want to get these guys when they're at their absolute peak. Waiting these things out. It doesn't really turn out great. Maybe you do a little bit better. Um, maybe you do a little bit better financially. Maybe. I don't think either one of these guys are at that superstar level. Like, if you put Anthony Joshua on a pay-per-view and he had to sell Justin America against anybody, how's that doing? If you had to put Deontay Wilder on a pay-per-view by himself against whomever, how's that doing? If you put him against each other, how's that going to do over here? It's an interesting question. They're both pretty fresh in everybody's mind of getting to this upper level of stardom. Um, But that being said, we've seen the weight out on these big-time matchups when you you drag it along and you drag it along and you drag it along. The quality in ring is never quite what you hoped it would be. And so I hope that they don't get into this game of, 
of waiting around and waiting around and waiting around um, until it's not quite as good as it should have been. Because Deontay's getting up there, uh, and then pretty soon, you know, uh, pretty soon Anthony Joshua's going to get up there. And they're both heavyweights, so that shelf life's a little bit longer um, because of the power, because of, of the rawness of that. Um, but even still, I, I mean, people are jonesing for this. Boxing fans want this fight. This is one of the... This is one of the fights. Um, you know, promoters have been promising we're not going to wait around anymore. We're going to give the fans the, the fights they want. This is one of them. This is one of your aces that you get to deal for 2018. Don't screw it up. We got some UFC to get into. There was some action last night, controversy coming out of last night. Uh, Lyoto Machida returned last night. Not going exactly the way he probably thought it would. And we got to get into UFC 217. Bisbing GSP, Cody Garbrandt against TJ Dillashaw, Rose Namajunas taking on Joanna and Jacek. A lot of big fights coming up next week in MSG, so we'll get into all that. Fighters Fury's back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Tobin here with you, Fighters Fury. Want to get to UFC 217. Little uh, little recap of what went down last night. Big stories out of last night for UFC San Paolo fight night. Leona Machida made his return. First time in a couple years, he was uh, on suspension from USADA. He popped for a steroid. First fight since he fought down here against Joel Romero. Joel Romero kicked the crap out of him at the Hard Rock. It's actually the last time we got a damn card down here. That's cool. It's not like I'm salty or anything. Give New York like nine cards, but don't give us any cards. And like the Nassau Coliseum is, it's it, it's 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 a rat hole. But you know, put fight cards there because you know you guys were fighting for New York for forever. And it's not like they screw up everything, but. Keep giving them cards. MSG next week. We'll get into that. But Derek Brunson beat Leo Machida in the first round. TKO. He came. He ducked under. Hit him with his monster left hand, and it was it was pretty much night night from there. Uh, Machida seemed like he was hinting towards retirement after that. It's a long layoff, man. It's not like he was a spring chick when the suspension went down. Um, so be interesting. I I don't know. I I think you'll probably see Leo Machida again. I mean, he's. It's hard for those for the for the Brazilian legends to retire because, I mean, there's there's such there's such heroes over there and people they they kill to see them they love seeing them and every time every time they do weigh-ins and they go out and they are they're just they're just greeted with such a hero's welcome so we'll see uh, I don't I I don't feel like Leona Machida is going to retire and what that, that's a long time off man Derek Brunson's a beast he kills it. Um, I mean, really should probably be on a three-fight win streak. Like, he had the lo- the rough loss to Robert Whitaker. He probably beat Anderson Silva. That was a, that was a sketchy decision for him to not get that nod. Um, So, Derek Brunson's, Derek Brunson's in, a, in a good zone right now. Uh, just, he, he uh, you know, so I, I think I think he should be, uh, you know, he should probably be getting back to that. The problem that's for, for Derek Brunson of getting to the top of those rankings again is the fact that, you have Robert Whitaker holding the interim title, and he he lost that fight. Now afterwards, he wanted to, said he wanted to fight Luke Rockhold. I'd be into that fight. I'll uh, I, I'd love to see that fight. Luke Rockhold seems like he's almost in a um, a belt or not fighting mode, which I don't know is a great place for him because I didn't think he looked fantastic in his return uh, against David Branch. But it is what it is. I, I understand Luke Rockhold wanting to. You know he's at that top spot. He he lost the belt to to Michael Bisbing in um, in tough fashion. I mean, first round knockout by Bisbing, old off short notice. I mean, he's been he's he, you remember after the fight with David Branch, Luke Rockhold was saying like you're not gonna show up, GSP, and it's like well, what? What do you mean he's not gonna show up? 
I'm pretty sure he's going to show up. It's, it's probably a lot of money. I don't, I don't think GSP is just going to not show up. That's weird. But that that was Luke Rockhold's strategy. So, all right. Uh, I'd be into seeing Luke Rockhold against against Derek Brunson, uh, and I think that would get Derek Brunson right back in that mix. I mean, you beat number two. That's that's tough to uh, to be denied. But last night, I think will be will be stolen headline wise by Colby Covington, who won his fifth straight uh, over Damian Maya. And this this was a very heated lead up. Colby Covington going to the school of Chael Sonnen, where he is just agitating every Brazilian out there. Um, and, you know, maybe this is the 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 dawn upon the next UFC heel. I mean, he didn't seem to give a bleep. It's a th- Listen, you mess with the Brazilians, um, they're intense, man. Like, you remember the Conor McGregor, uh, the Conor McGregor-Jose Aldo world tour? I mean, they, they you probably need a protection for, for, for Conor McGregor. For, for the intensity that was going on there where they were where they were like getting on the microphone they were translating I'm going to murder you I'm going to I'm, we were, we were going to end you uh you know but McGregor being the the crazy bastard that he is I mean he soaked it all in uh Chell Sonnen who has been vile towards Brazil with the with the insults that he's thrown but Colby Covington uh he went there last night I mean he was he was unapologetic about it here he was in the post fight with Daniel Cormier you asked for Damian Maya. You got Damian Maya. Why did you ask for this fight? And did it go as you expected it to? I should have knocked him out. Brazil, you're a dog. All you filthy animals suck. I got one thing to say. Tyrell Woodley, I'm coming for you. If you don't answer the front door, I'm going to knock you in. And I'm going to take what's mine. That one way belt. Hey, you may not love him here, but they love him in Clovis, California. Kobe. is some intense booing that's he didn't go to the post fight press conference obviously um but the ufc was not happy about the comments uh ufc senior vp david shaw on covington's comments in terms of fan reactions with the covington fighting there's no way for us to support any of the fans throwing items or any stuff at the fighters however having that said we're looking into the situation with covington very seriously and it's already being reviewed by our code of conduct committee it's something we're not very happy about uh covington came out uh, with some statements of his own. He says, on the walkout, I get called every name in the book and chant, you're going to die. I poke back at them a bit. I wouldn't say a bit. I mean, he poked back, and, uh, poked, poked back, back at them strong. Uh, that, man, that's an intense atmosphere. And he says, the crowd reaction was something I was looking for. They hate me. I don't respect them. Uh, says, quote, they don't need to translate for me because I was talking to America and the fans who support me. Now, the questions are there's a couple things with this with Kobe Covington. There's definitely market in being a bad guy. Um, that's been clear and 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 playing against a certain country. There's there's definitely going to be people who are going to be willing to spend money to watch you get your ass ki- kicked. Um, the thing that's interesting about it though, you know, it's he he obviously was fighting a a a, a great Brazilian fighter in Damian Maia, who he got to not fight in his style. I mean, yeah. He stuffed a lot of takedowns, but he got Damian Maia to come out swinging. I mean, it was not it was not in his character of how he was fighting. So, seemingly it did work his style of, of getting under Damian Maia's skin and getting 
Uh, Damian Maya, I, I don't know if maybe the sense of, of pride of, of defending Brazil's name. And I guess in that respect, it worked. Um, but the other interesting thing is, okay, so you have this, but now he wants to fight Tyron Woodley, who's not Brazilian. So I don't know what the payoff for this is going to be for Colby Covington. You know, I, I would say, let's say it gets down the line and Rafael dos Santos ends up beating Tyron Woodley for the belts because that's supposedly the next, uh, that's the next number one contendership. Dana White came out, I think about a week ago and said that Robbie Lawler versus RDA winner gets to fight Tyron Woodley for the belt. Um, and Colby Covington, if he were to match up with Javier Dos Santos, I could see this stuff being used by UFC, and they're going to say, "Ah, yeah, yeah, we're unhappy with it, but we're gonna we're gonna market the bleep out of it. Like we're gonna we're going to send him down there, and it's going to be vicious, and and hopefully it sells a lot of pay per views. You know, this like I said, this worked for Chael Sonnen, but it also worked for Chael Sonnen. Um, it worked for Chael Sonnen, you know, ten years ago. So it's a different climate. You know, people take things a lot differently. I don't know if that still works itself. But then again, you know, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor just sold 4.4 million pay-per-views um, marketing and a lot of this stuff. So we'll see. The interesting thing is the Tyron Woodley. Okay, so he wants the Tyron Woodley title, title shot uh, right now. They have a bit of a past. Um, him and Tyron are are uh, going at it a bit on social media. Tyron's saying to not buy into this, that he got outstruck by a, a BJJ guy. Uh, he's coming at him with, I, I, I struck him more in three rounds than you did in five. I don't think Colby Covington's going to get the next title shot, uh, against Tyron Woodley. The other, the other thing that they have, I forgot about this. Remember when Tyron Woodley, because Dana White came out cause he had to, he backed himself into a corner with his GSP thing. I don't know if it was a negotiating thing or whatever, but Dana White backed himself into a corner saying Bisbing GSP is not going to happen. And now it's going to be uh, Tyron Woodley's going to get uh, possibly the GSP fight. And it's like, ah, uh, all right, not buying that. But if you say so. And then all of a sudden, Tyron Woodley has a boring fight against Damian Maya, something that has happened to plenty of fighter. And he just roasts Tyron Woodley. And Tyron Woodley's like, I'm tired of getting treated like this. Understandably so. I'm tired of getting treated like this. I have stuff on Dana White and the UFC that I'm going to release if this ever happens again. And seemed like he was going to go scorched earth on the UFC. Then Kobe Covington comes out and he says that he has stuff on Tyron Woodley that's even way worse. If you if you decide to does the old boss ass kissing move, if you tried to do anything to Dana White, I'm going to come out with stuff way worse that I have on you. Uh, so there's a bit of a pass there. ATT tie. He says that he's beat him up in the practice room. So there is there is some good heat there, which I think uh, I think would be great for Tyron. I think Tyron could use a guy just just be that ultimate heel for him that could get people on his side and 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 really bring it bring it out of him. I don't know if fighting Rafael dos Anjos or fighting Robbie Lawler again is going to do that. The other thing with fighting Robbie Lawler, you're not going to do better against Robbie Lawler than you already did. He may beat him. He may go out there and beat him over five rounds and he may but the sensational knockout that he had of Robbie Lawler who was walking the planet as one of the most vicious people in the UFC. I don't know if I don't know if Tyron can top that. So, if you want to talk about merit, Kobe Covington, I don't think he deserves the title shot quite yet, even with five straight wins. Um, but if you want to talk about today's UFC and marketing and 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 all that, 
if he keeps winning, if he gets another win, I think for sure he's going to get the title shot against Tyron Woodley, provided Tyron holds on to the belt. Um, just with the atmosphere that we're in, you look at the rankings, I don't think we're ever going to see Wonderboy Thompson against Tyron Woodley again. The, they've fought. It's just a bad matchup. They're not fun fights. Um, we got a fight next week. We have Steven Wonderboy Thompson against Huff, uh, Jorge Masvidal. If Masvidal wins, does Masvidal get into the talks? Um, Masvidal lost to Damian Maya, but it wasn't a bad performance. He he did some good things on his feet. Damian just happened to get on his back a lot, and he had to he had to do a lot of hand fighting. So, does a win over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson do enough to put Jorge Masvidal in those talks? I don't think Masvidal and Robbie are going to fight. They're very close. And so if he gets to a point where he needs almost his friend to lose to fight Dos Anjos to get into those talks, or does he need to fight Kobe Covington, who's another ATT guy? I don't know if they're willing to to scrap it out. That's an interesting question. I don't know what their relationship is. Um, so there's a, there's a weird cluster up there with the welterweight division. But between... The number one contendership of Robbie Lawler versus RDA. Whenever that goes, when that when that goes down, uh, next week we got Stephen Thompson, Jorge Masvidal, Carlos Condit is also in the rankings. He's apparently going to make a comeback. Kobe Covington, who's currently ranked seventh, he just beat the number three guy. You got to imagine he's probably going to be in that top five next week. Um, you know, it's a good cluster up there, but I wouldn't put it past because of the newness, because of the heat behind them, of uh, Tyra Woodley looking at this matchup against a guy and saying, all right, how much more money am I going to make out of a Robbie Lawler fight versus Colby Covington, who's probably not as dangerous as Robbie Lawler, to be honest. Um, interesting discussion there. All right, we got to get into UFC 217. When we come back, we'll get into UFC 217, do some fight picks. We'll get to that on the other side right after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. All right, we got UFC 217 coming up next week. Madison Square Garden. Good card. Really, really good card. People, people, you know, a lot of scrutiny about the main event and how interested are you in GSP against Michael Bisping. Hey, when it's here, it's here. I'm going to be into it. Um, I'm most interested in seeing how GSP is going to look. That, that to me, is number one. Um, just simply because with Bisping, if, Bis, if Bisping beats George St. Pierre, I don't really know where he goes from here. Does he go and he does he even fight Robert Whitaker? You know, he says he's going to fight at least one more time and uh, after two seventeen. But Michael Bisbing, I think just winning the title the way he did was to me the crowning achievement of his career. The fact that he came in always was kind of that bridesmaid of the UFC. Never really got to the top, and he's kind of having this renaissance second part of his career where he had a great fight against Anderson Silva. He had a great fight and won the title against Luke Rockhold. Now he's getting the GSP fight at MSG. So it's cool that he's having this second act to his career where he's getting all this 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 um this hype and and, and again to do all these 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 great accomplishments. That's awesome for him. But I do feel like the storybook's almost over with Michael Bisbing. I don't really know where he goes. If he beats GSP, where does the story go from there? So from my standpoint as a fan. And I've never been the biggest GSP guy, but I, but I want to see GSP win only because I want to see, all right, what's GSP going to do next? There's a lot of talk of, is he going to stay and defend the belt? Is he going to go and try and go down and 
and and reclaim the 170 crown from Tyron Woodley, or is he going to try and find a way to set up a fight with Conor McGregor? There's some talk that GSP could get down to 155. He's talked about going down. To, I don't. I don't see. I don't know how that would be possible. I don't. I mean, he looks big. He looks very, very big. That's a that's a lot of weight. But he's also an insane athlete. He's very obsessive. So I'm not gonna put it past him. But also, it's weird to me that. All right, the big guy GSP. He wants to go down and fight the 155 champ. Like, there's part of me when when a guy is saying if he's gonna come out and he's gonna target the guy who's smaller. Um, that to me is weird. But if you're going to tell me that Connor's going to come out, out, if he beats, let's say, whenever it is, he fights Tony Ferguson and then he comes out and he wants to call out GSP. GSP's the bigger guy. He's the, the long-reigning 170 champ. Now let's say he's the 185 champ. That, to me, it, it feels different. First of all, Connor's going to be better at a call-out than GSP is just in general. Uh, so I think, I think the hype behind that would be a little bit better. But I don't know. I don't know how I feel about GSP saying I want to go down to 155 to go. Like, the idea that you're going to go up and you're going to get the 155, 185 crown um, is cool in itself. It's years too late. I mean, for years we wanted to see GSP against Anderson Silva for forever for the 185 crown and or some, some catchweight, and we never could get it. You know what I was saying about in the first segment about – Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, don't make us wait. It's never going to be as good as the prime when we want it. This is kind of it. I mean, we, we forever wanted to see GSP in this weight class, seeing him compete. It's just not the right opponent. It's not the guy we wanted him to, to fight. We wanted to see him fight Anderson Silva. Um, and now Anderson Silva's not what he used to be. And we don't really know what George St. Pierre is going to be. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting thing. It was George St. Pierre. How is he going to look? I mean, he hasn't fought in four years. Um, we just saw Leota Machida not fight in two years and didn't go so well for him. Um, you know, and I, and I think we all look at this and we say, yeah, GSP is going to come into this fight and he's going to try and take Michael Bisping down and, and be out of dangerous way and, and, and do the old trademark GSP moves. He has continued to work with Freddie Roach. And we know what that did to Josh Koscheck's eye back in the day. Gnarly. Disgusting. Uh, Freddie's actually going to be in his corner for this fight. But do you, do any of us really think that's how GSP is going to go about trying to win this fight? I mean, Bisping's a big dude, man. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big size advantage he has there. And just the layman in me would say, I would imagine GSP would want to get him to the ground to, to make that less of a factor. So I look at this fight. And there's a couple of things that concern me with Bisbing, just injury-wise. Where's his head at career-wise? Um, is he is is he looking at this? Is he is he going at this as hard as possible, knowing this can be the swan song? Um, and how healthy is he? You know, there was some injury things there that he was dealing with. And the same thing with George. George, you don't you know this was delayed because of a, of a GSP health reason. Um, you know, I watched that special on him and, and the way he's training. He looks like he's training like an absolute monster, as you would expect him to. Um, but it's hard for me to it's hard for me to pick a fight where I haven't seen a guy fight in four years. I really I look at it and I just like I, I would just be completely guessing here. Um But remembering what GSP was when he left and remembering how he fought Johnny Hendricks. And he was getting pieced up and a lot of damage to his face. You know, 
if G if Bisbin can afford uh, can can avoid getting taken down, and GSP's regard as being very very strong, so it's not like I'm thinking that he's too big to be taken down. I, I really think that he's got some striking that can really really bother George, and I just I don't I I got a hard time picking a guy who hasn't fought in nearly half a decade. So I'm going to go with Bisbing winning. I don't think he stops him, but I think he's going to end up winning a decision in this fight and, and keeping his belt, which is a bummer because I want to see what would happen if George ends up winning the fight. And I think George has said if he loses, he's not going to continue fighting. And I'd like to see George continue fighting because I want to see where the story goes. But I it, it, I, I, I just I, I can't go against Bisbing. Bisbing's been on this, this hot streak, you know, since whenever, since, you know, I, I just I can't go against him. So. I'm going to go with Biz being top in GSP in a, in a decision. Uh, I don't think it's going to be lopsided, but I think I, I think he's I think he's going to end up getting on the scorecards. The fight I'm, I'm jacked about is Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw. That fight, and, and, and Biz being and Cody Garbrandt have even gotten into this, that this is the true main event. This is the fight that, if you're a pure UFC fan, this is the one you want to see. And just from the standpoint of, hell, man, these guys were once teammates. Yeah, that's all cool. But these guys, striking-wise, what they bring into the octagon is next-level stuff. It's unbelievably good. And we have all the stories about who got the best of whom in practice. Um, you know, Cody looked so damn good against Dominic Cruz. So damn good. Again, with him, my biggest concern is he's been dealing with some injury stuff. There's a back issue. Is that going to play into how he gets through this fight cardio-wise? He looked like he got through the fight with Dominic Cruz masterfully. I mean, that was, a, I think, a concern people had. Well, how's he going to be cardio-wise? Can he get through five rounds? He got through five rounds like it was nothing. I mean, he was popping and locking in the middle of that fight. It was, it was, it was beautiful what he did to Dominic Cruz. TJ Dillashaw fought a good fight against Dominic Cruz. Much closer fight. Some people thought that he beat Dominic Cruz. Um, you know, TJ has gotten really, really good with adding more takedowns into his game. He's become more dynamic and, and more well-rounded. Um, but I, I got this – my, my gut's telling me Cody's going to come out on top of this just because I feel like Cody just showed something in that win over Dominic that we didn't know he had in him, that he could just take it to this next level. Um, I feel like mentally – we saw too. I mean, Dominic Cruz is a is a real wizard when it comes to getting in guys' heads and trying to get them to overcommit. And and he bought into none of that. None of that stuff got to him. Um, so I think Cody's going to come out on top in that fight as well. And we'll see what. But this is another one where I don't know if I'm going to see either one of these guys. I, I don't know if I see either one of these guys getting stopped. I think this. I really, what I what I what I am saying is, I think you're in for a long night of of UFC this night because you know three championship fights, which I'm not a fan of. I don't love having three championship fights on one night because I feel like it can make for a very long night, especially when you got two lower weight classes. Like the fact that they're doing Joanna uh, and Rose, you got a feeling that's going to probably go five rounds because not a lot of stoppages are having at 115. Then you got bantamweight, and maybe there'll be a stoppage, but those two guys are, are really, really good with their striking, so you could be in for a long night with that one as well. So I'm not a huge fan of doing three title fights just because I think it can drag on a little bit into the night. But at the end of it, I just think Cody is hitting this next kind of crescendo for himself. 
And for TJ, you know, it might benefit even more if he can get these takedowns on Cody um, and, and, and deliver punishment that way. Then we're talking, okay, that may be the key to him getting uh, and, and picking up rounds. But I think, I think straight up on the feet, I mean, Cody is such a monster. He's he he was he was unbelievable against Cruz, and I got a feeling we're going to see that again. And I think he's going to keep the belt. Yoana uh, versus Rose. I I just have this thing with Rose where I don't know, I don't know if she's quite at that next level, um, or quite at that level of Yoana, and I I just don't see her bringing anything to the table where she's going to be able to hurt Yoana. Um, I also it feels to me like Joanna's a lot bigger, even at this weight class. It feels like Joanna probably isn't long to be in this weight class much longer. Like it feels like she's getting a lot bigger than a lot of her opponents. So uh, I think the champ, I think Joanna champion is going to keep her her streak going. I don't know how close that puts her to Ronda. I think that puts her like one within one of Ronda or maybe tying Ronda uh, for longest female title title streak, but. Yeah, I think this is going to be a long night of, of retaining champions. Um, if there's going to be one where I think a guy can can put forth a performance and people are talking about it, and we were talking about that welterweight picture, and I think that's Masvidal. I think if Masvidal comes through and he gets a win over Steven Thompson, which I'm going to pick Masvidal to do, I think, I think Masvidal can come out of this night and have a lot of people talking about him and say, ah, looks like there's another, another player in this welterweight division again. Um, so I think that's how that's going to go. I think... And then you got Johnny Hendricks, uh, Paolo Boricina. I I, mean, I I just can't pick Johnny Hendricks just because of the lack of trust I got for him right now. It is interesting, though. I like the fact that they did put Johnny Hendricks on the same card as GSP. It will be interesting if Johnny Hendricks does get a win. Let's say he let's say he goes out there and he gets just a, a, a absolute highlight win. And I know that's hard to imagine, but let's say he does. Um it would be right there on a silver platter for him to to go out and call George St. Pierre. Now, whether St. Pierre wants any of that, um, I think a lot of St. Pierre's PED complaints were in regards to the guy he fought in Johnny Hendricks. So would he even nibble at that kind of call out? Maybe not, but I think that has to be the play if you're Johnny Hendricks. No matter what, even if it's even if GSP ends up losing, Johnny Hendricks wins, he gets his arm raised. He calls for GSP. Don't even worry about Bisping. You, you fight GSP. That's unfinished business. That's the place he's got to go with this. So, main guard picks. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Borchina beating Hendricks because I just don't trust Hendricks. Um, but I, I, I am a, a part of me is rooting for Hendricks to get that win and and get that call out. Uh, I'm gonna go with Masvidal with a sensational win over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And then I'm going to – I'm going chalk. I'm going to go with the champs all retaining. I'm going to go with Joanna re- retaining, Cody retaining. And just I, – I, I'd like to see GSP win, but I can't. I can't I can't pick a guy who hasn't been fighting for, for four years. I can't do it. I can't do it. So I'm going to go with, uh, with Biz Bing winning. And uh, we're in for a fun night. We'll have a full recap for it for you guys next week on Fighters Fury, so you guys can tune in for that. And – that's it. That's our show. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.